Hey guys, Jason Davis here. Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and in ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at TuttleTwins.com or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners. Check out the Tuttle Twins and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's nonstop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Hey, welcome to Don't Tread on Liberty. Thanks for joining us today. And a lot is going on with social media and cancel culture. They are actively censoring conservative points of view, and they're not even hiding it. They're actually admitting to this. And so I have somebody with us today that's actually doing something about it. He is a lawyer in New York City. Uh, He's the founder of Lawyerly, which is an online platform to connect with attorneys. He's also the founder of the Red Pill Project, a nonprofit that is fighting cancel culture. Uh, He's also just a really good guy all the way around. Uh, I'm talking about the principal of the law offices of Samuel Manrique Esquire. Sam, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for being here. So before I get into Red Pill and everything you're doing uh, to help fight against cancel culture, I did want to talk to you a little bit about Lawyerly online platform, right? Where people can kind of connect with attorneys. Where did you, you know, what prompted you to, to do that? And, and how did that all come together for you? Yeah. So, I mean, lawyerly right now it's, it's known as being an app, but it's really more of like a, a new approach to the business side, side of legal. You know, there's, there's always this debate about whether it's a profession or a business. And, and the reality is that it's both. And the, the profession informs on your business decisions because you have ethical rules and, and, and a number of other rules, local rules, whatever. Um, and you're held to a higher standard when you're an attorney. So it's, it's about working within that framework and finding a way, just giving people access to the justice system. So, you know, Lawyerly is all about using remote workers before it was cool with COVID. It's all about, you know, using the mobile app and online payment, online contracts and engagement letters so that, you know, people can do things from their phone, get a lawyer, get charged a, a fair fee. Um, we try to do as much flat fee as possible to give you predictable pricing. And so, you know, it's it's sort of a, it's a new way, like I said, of approaching it and it came to me my final year of law school. I took class with, he's a judge now, but at the time, you know, for, for I'm sorry, for 35 years, he was a, he was a practicing attorney. And his name is uh, Walter Rivera, and he um, and was talking about a lot of the things that I had already been involved with, like 
offshore uh, workers, people with paralegals and stuff that are offshore. Or, you know, I found a better way of doing it rather than going offshore is going to states where they have a lower cost of living. So you pay a little more, but you're hiring American workers. And they talked about, you know, the technological advances, the software to help you run a, a, a law firm, how to use the internet effectively, all those cool things that nobody really talks about in the legal profession were being talked about in that class. And it really opened my eyes to the possibilities and I launched Lawyerly and, and actually, you know, spoke with, with, with Judge Rivera about it and he was really excited. He's the one that kind of gave me the confidence because it was like, oh, this guy thinks that it's a good idea. He's got experience. I felt good about it going into it. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like where, where Lawyerly came from. That's great. I mean, it's kind of like the teledoc for lawyers, right? Like mm. you can, just like you can find a doctor, now you can find an attorney online. Okay. Right. right. Red Pill Project. You guys are actively fighting cancel culture, which is a huge topic right now, and it's a big problem, and specifically social media. I mean, people are getting banned. I've been banned uh, on LinkedIn, as you may know, and, and so this is going around. Where, I mean, when did you actually get the idea for Red Pill, and what prompted you to form that? So I'd say that was about late June, early July. I was actually, it, it started on LinkedIn, and, you know, I'm a guy who grew up in a family business. I was able to speak my mind, you know, um, who was going to fire me, really. You know, it was kind of like that kind of a thing. And then I, I go back to law, you know, I go to law school later in life. It was in my 30s. And I walk in and it's like, what the hell is happening here? It's like, oh, this craziness going on. And people, you know, you couldn't disagree because it, you could, you know, not technically get in trouble. But those kinds of opinions wouldn't uh, wouldn't help you any. So, I saw I saw the effects of cancel culture. We had sort of Damocles over our heads about character and fitness. You're gonna have this interview, and and these lawyers they're gonna look at all the things that you did, and if you do anything wrong or say anything, you know, you're not gonna get a license. They're not gonna admit you to the bar. And so that's always hanging over your head. And I, I saw how scared people were. And I was still, you know, very outspoken. I was, I was a little more careful than usual. I didn't like that. And then, you know, I get on LinkedIn and George Floyd is, is on the, all over the news. And I start giving my opinion from, you know, a quasi-legal perspective, I, I guess, a very informed uh, opinion. It was very reasonable. And people started to, re to respond. And I started to grow my following and people start, DMing me and saying, hey, Sam, you got like, you got really big balls, man. Congrats. I'm glad you're out there. And I'm like, I, I didn't know that I, I was being ballsy here. I was just telling the truth. And it kind of scared me a little bit. Like, wait, wait, wait. Am I doing something where am I being like outlandish in my opinions? Because people are telling me. I've, and it wasn't that. It was that we we moved the goalpost and, and we've said, no, this is racist now. You know, I got I got sent to um, the Kerrigan Fitness people, actually, got a, a an anonymous um, report that I had been racist on LinkedIn and, and Instagram. And one of my racist posts, quote unquote racist posts, was um, all lives matter, hashtag all lives matter. That was racism. So, so, you know, people are being canceled and people are, you know, I mean, I was almost canceled from the whole legal profession just based on saying, something very true all lives matter you know um and all the other posts you know were innocuous they were they were, they were politically they had a political uh, bent to them for sure but they weren't at all racist i just noticed how how bad it is out there and how um, it got worse 
now people are doxing you and people are you know reporting to to your to your bosses and and that just pissed me off really and i started talking to people and i i was like you know we got to come up with something a networking you know you get canceled we got you you know we got your back we've got a whole network of people on linkedin who can hire you who can train you you know who can defend you in court you can take your boss to court if need be um so it's really giving muscle to to our side, which is yeah. a, you know a growing number of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't even like you said, people are kind of afraid nowadays to say what they really think, um, mm-hmm. just because of that very reason. Okay, basic truth. Yeah, yeah. So this movement is growing. It seems like the numbers are really growing, and you have now something really going here as far as a complaint against LinkedIn, correct? Yeah, I mean, we grew in a, in a matter of months. We linked, I got shut down from LinkedIn and with it went my group. I made an RPP group and they, they banned me and they, they actually nuked my group specifically. Um, how do I know that? I made another account to try to get back some of my contacts at least. And they, and I made another group, but I called it RPP. And when I was banned from that, that other account, the RPP group stayed. So what I think happened was they said, this group is growing a little too, too big. It's, it's, it's getting a, a strong following and we need to shut it down specifically, not just the guy. And I've always said that, you know, I, I never wanted to make this the Sam show. And thankfully it's never, it, it never became that. It's always been RPP and it stands alone. You know, there's a, that, that group still exists. But just to get back to your original question, LinkedInLawsuit.com. Um, and the complaint is, and I don't want to talk about it too much, but the, you know, the basic outline of it would be breach of contract. We, we do have a, a, our terms of service agreement is by, by, by their own admission in the document, a contract. And, you know, there is consideration there. And in, in contract theory, you have to show that there was consideration. It wasn't just like it was a, a a gift on the part of LinkedIn to give us their platform. No, they, LinkedIn wants us on their platform to give us, to give them uh, our content, um, which belongs to us. LinkedIn says that belongs to you. They have videos. It's in the contract. It's your content belongs to you. And you put our your content on here and people watch it. And then, you know, we sell data and whatever else they do to make money, right? There, there is a, there is a, an agreement there between us. They need us. We need them. There is, inspiration and they violated those terms they didn't give you know they didn't give me or anyone else that i know of prior notice to terminating your account that's a violation of their terms they didn't give us access to our content you know so i don't have access to the pictures the videos and everything else that i put up there i don't have access even though it's not content but my contacts you know those contacts that i earned and it all disappeared overnight you know i've been told over and over again you're not getting your account back I've emailed several times and, you know, beyond the contractual question, there's also a constitutional question. You know, we, we want to argue that this is a public forum, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of it. These are, this is infrastructure within a digital world, you know, we, yeah, no, absolutely. So they, and this is what they always say. They say they're a platform. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're not responsible for anything that anybody puts up on their platform. But Mm -hmm. if you're, but if you're censoring people, you're not a platform, you're actually an editor, right? Yeah. So the, uh, decency act, uh, it's 230, section 230, right. Um, they, it, it, there, there was something in there where, you know, you, they remove your safe harbor for, um, as a, as a, as a 
a platform and you become a publisher when you when you added content and there is there is an argument that i would make there and say that you know not just editing individual uh, content you could say that they're in the in the aggregate of all the all the content on their site is their content right so all of all of the contributors this is your content and you're editing it you're editing it in the aggregate and therefore you're editing your content, right, and as a whole. And so you're removing videos and, and other content, and, and it's not for a legitimate, reasonable uh, violation. This is purely political. I don't like your opinion. You can't say that. You can't say you like Trump. You can't give reasons why you think Breonna Taylor wasn't murdered in her bed, right? Like, you can't have that conversation. We don't like it. You're off of here. And so that's not reasonable. That does make them a publisher. It shows that they want to um, sort of curate their their uh, their content and and so yeah I would argue absolutely that they're they're no longer just a platform they absolutely are a publisher and and therefore um, they 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 should have their safe harbor stripped from them but but, but that question only opens up it really only opens them up to uh, lawsuits and, and liability on as far as you know I'm a celebrity that was you know defamed by by by, by Jason and he you know he said these nasty things about me I'm not just going to sue Jason I'm going to I'm going to sue LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a publisher that put that you know that that's what it really kind of opens the door to um, as far as speaking on the constitutional question you know, there may be an angle there that we can we can pull it in. Um, but so far, I'm not seeing how it how that specific claim would attach itself to. But it doesn't mean that we can bring that separately. I know you don't want to get into it too, too much uh, on the complaint. Um, but can you share anything with us on timeline? What you you know, how things are progressing? Yeah, I mean, originally it was it was I'm bringing this pro se you can't do this to me. Um, I'm going to sue you. And, um, you know, people heard, heard about it and I started getting contact. And, and so now, I mean, we have a ton of people. I can, I've lost track of how many people, um, that the actual number at this point isn't, isn't so important, um, at this stage, but, um, we were looking to be at over 40 and we're, we've, we've reached that, um, comfortably. And so that might open the door to a class action. And that just becomes much more complicated because you have to get certified as a class. And the, the one thing that I will caution people is that cases like these, you know, these things just take time and it's, it's a complicated thing. At this point, we're international. We have people overseas across borders who are saying, I've been banned too. And of course, they could, they could come into a New York court as a plaintiff and, and sue if they'd like. But that kind of thing is, you know, it adds to the length of time that, that things are going to get together, you know, and, and a lot of this is also being slowed down by the fact that we're, we're really underfunded. It's difficult to do some of these things because I can't do it all myself. And so I'm hiring you know, paralegals and, I'm, you know, try to get volunteers. And, and there have been some amazing volunteers through, um, through the Red Pill Project uh, group on Telegram and, uh, and elsewhere. But it's a big thing. It's a big case. You know, LinkedIn has a whole corporation, multinational corporation behind them. And we, we have to um, pull out all the stops and, and get this stuff um, done. And, and so it'll probably take a few months before we're, we have all our ducks in a row. And we, again, it's, it's complicated stuff. It's not, it's not exactly like I have a, a boilerplate complaint like Drew. We had um, Prager use complaint. You find it online and I really can't use it, you know, and, and, and that's not to disparage anyone, but I, so, I, I personally 
wouldn't have written it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Which might explain why they didn't get very far. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so if somebody wants to get involved and join this movement or if somebody wants to volunteer to help you, LinkedInLawsuit.com and then... Yeah. And then Red Pill Project? Uh, so the, uh, right there, you know, you have a link to our PayPal um, account right on the LinkedInLawsuit.com page. But we also have the redpillproject.org. That's our main uh, nonprofit page. And, you know, we're doing a lot of good, good things there. We're, we're working with the Kyle Rittenhouse case with the uh, Fightback Foundation. You know, we're trying, to, we're trying to help out there. And we have a lot of uh, other uh, work that we're trying to, to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you're doing events and uh, weekends. You're helping people mobilize and, and get organized. And, and you're providing absolutely assistance if anybody gets let go from work and, and things like that. So a lot of good work going yeah. on at redpill.org. Okay. Last thing I want to ask you about before we go. Sure. You're in New York City. We all see the news. Uh, New York City's the hotbed for COVID. You, you know, it was kind of the epicenter where everything started, the worst brunt of that. And now with the rise in crime and the, you know, kind of the war on police, that's another hotbed for that. So you're actually on the mm. ground there. Tell us, how is it really regarding COVID and the war on police? Well, it's it's such a you know, my favorite word these days is nuance. It's it's such a nuanced question because the media is overhyping a lot of it, but at the same time, it's really bad, right? Like our crime has surged. It's looking more and more every day like the old New York, the bad New York, you know. And, and there was there was actually this guy I made a video about it. There was this guy who like was leaving his bike in front of our building, and you know, I asked him very nicely to move the bikes, and then he you know he started coming around and and saying things and he kept lingering he wanted trouble and you know eventually uh, it got confrontational let's let's call it that and i you know i told him to move along and it was not a quiet voice that i was using and there were cops right on the corner a third of a block away in the city block and right sitting in the car and i am you know telling this guy keep away from my you know my family's there and stuff and i'm like you know get back and 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 go away and, and whatever else and the cops never stepped in once ever they they can't they're hogtied you know they're they're they imagine if you know they they get involved in that in the, in, in this environment it it would be it would be difficult for them so so you know they they just drove away eventually and never you know never tried to get in the way of, of anything and but if you if you stay away from like downtown towards city hall and stuff there's demonstrators our local 7-Eleven, the 7-Eleven the cops were parked right outside of, their windows were bashed in um, overnight um, in the beginning of the, of the riots back in like May, June. You know, stuff like that, little pockets of things, noticing funky behavior, homeless, you know. I saw, I saw a heroin addict doing, you know, the, the, the dip the other day. I hadn't seen that in like 20 years. It was, I was actually kind of a nice moment of nostalgia. Like, oh, a junkie. I haven't seen one of those in New York City in you know, just like out on the corner somewhere, you know, it's, it was this, this weird thing. It was like, it reminded me, and I know that sounds kind of sick because, but you know, I grew up in New York city in the eighties and nineties. That's what you saw, right? You know, you saw drug addicts and vagrants and stuff and you stopped seeing that for a long time, you know, for all the shit people give uh, Bloomberg. Um, and I don't like the guy. He kept what Giuliani fixed, right? Like he, he maintained it. Now this idiot um, walks in and he just, turns the table over. 
essentially he's a, he's a Marxist, you know, socialist, but, um, but that's, that's no surprise to me. Um, that's been something that I've heard in New York city my whole life, you know, people talking about, I remember sitting in a barbershop and somebody sending, you know, giving me communist, you get a, a pamphlet or, uh, flyer talking about communism and stuff i was always pretty woke on communism as my dad's uh my dad was uh cuban so hardline anti-communist he you know it's it's something that doesn't surprise me it's i know it surprises a lot of people outside of new york but i mean we hear you know socialist nonsense and propaganda and stuff from politicians especially local politicians all the time wow all you can do is keep up the good fight absolutely I, i for one appreciate what you're doing i know a lot of people do as well and I appreciate you taking the time to come on. It's Samuel Menrique. He's uh, the law offices of Samuel Menrique Esquire. He does general practice, including family law, bankruptcy, foreclosure, landlord-tenant type stuff, and more. Um, so you can find him there if you need help or redpillproject.org or linkedinlawsuit.com. Sam, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.donttreadonliberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation. 